Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm your co-host, Carlos Torre, and joining me every single week is Robert Silva. Robert, how are you doing? Good evening, Carlos, and wherever the, whatever time the listeners are listening, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. We're here again to give you the latest boxing news, and um, Carlos has a update on the Tyson fury Dillian White uh, negotiations and fight. Yeah, I mean, for, well, first of all, happy two twenty-two. Actually, no, two twenty-two thousand and twenty-two. There, I got it. I got it right. Even though everyone that's going to be listening to this is gonna, it's going to be past February twenty-second. But I just might as well throw that out there, just so I got to give an idea of when we're recording this. So, Dillian White has now signed his side of the deal for. The long-awaited, or I guess uh, long-discussed fight with Tyson Fury for the WBC heavyweight title. It's finally happening. The plan right now is to have these two fight on April 23rd at Wembley Stadium in London. Monday, February 21st was the deadline to sign the contract on Whiteside. Obviously, we had the purse bid back in January where Queensbury Promotions won with a monster bid of $41,025,000. Tyson, as yes, the WBC champion, gets $29 million, And Dillian White gets $7.3 million with an additional $4.1 million given out to the winner. And the long issue that was kind of holding this back was, I guess, the issue that Dillian White had with the WBC, primarily with the purse bid split. It was an 80-20 split the WBC has uh, ruled for this fight, which is a lot more skewed towards the champion side than in normal cases where you see anywhere from a 60-40 split to a 70-30 split. Maybe a very rare occasion you get to a 75-25 split. Obviously, it all depends from the sanctioning bodies and the situations. But regardless, it looks like I would say about 99.5% it's all a done deal. Only thing that's left is an issue reportedly with UK tax withholdings that the WBC will rule on. So I guess other than that, which I don't think is going to, you know, stop the fight from happening. Other than that, we finally have the fight. Dillian White is getting his long-awaited WBC heavyweight title shot that he's been waiting for years and years and years. Robert, what are your thoughts? It's still an 80-20 split. I I just thought it in my head because one guy's getting seven. And the other guy's getting 29. Seven times four is 28. Yeah. That's an 80-20 split. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, it, I mean, $7 million is the biggest payday of his life. But, God damn, why the 80-20 split? I never understood that from the get-go. I mean, damn. It, you, I mean, at least a 70-30 split. Uh, which is, I think, traditionally what's yeah, what supposed to be the split in this case. That's ridiculous. But you know what? Congrats to Tyson Fury for fleecing Dillian White and getting this incredible amount. If I'm not mistaken, maybe you could correct me. Isn't this Tyson's largest purse ever for a fight? 
Uh, mm, I don't. I guess. I guess in the base. I guess in the base sense. Obviously, not. I don't know how much he's made off the Deontay Wilder pay per views, but at least I guess on the guarantee side, yes, it is. He might have made more against Wilder in the last fight after international and pay per view sales, but yeah, I don't. I never heard of him signing for this amount. You know, the base salary when they signed to fight each other. So, uh, kudos to uh. Uh, Tyson Fury for getting this huge payday and um, is are they going to be able to come up with this money? Uh, I mean, I I I don't know how many countries are there in the Middle East. There's about that many ways to uh, options to be able to financially secure this. I don't know if it's uh, if the Middle East is going to be able to do something uh, to provide that kind of money, uh, that kind of money, or is they going to be help? I mean, obviously, Tyson Fury's uh has connections in the middle east i don't know if that played a role in the final purse wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute let me back up his manager is not middle eastern is he no no but you know but he's affiliated with daniel kinahan who's in the middle east yeah yeah that's his advisor that criminal all right uh kudos to tyson fury i hope they find the money for this fight and that is a stack Two months of boxing. Oh my God! Right now, for the for the listeners out there, what we could be seeing from April sixteenth through May seventh. Off the top of my head, uh, you know, I, I think you know we have Ryan Garcia. I think he's fighting. Well, I'm not the counting that bullshit. Get that <laughs> shit out of here. Oh my God! You got Errol Spence <laughs> right. versus Ugas April sixteenth. Possible Canelo, possible Canelo yeah. fight on early May. May seventh, right? Uh, see, he's fighting somebody on May seventh. Yeah. Whether it's Charlo or Bavall, he's fighting somebody on May seventh. April thirtieth, you got uh, your buddy Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor in what I believe is the biggest fight in women's boxing history. The same night, Shakur Stevenson fights Oscar Valdez, okay. and now you got Dillian White and Tyson Fury April twenty third. Beautiful. Four weeks of boxing right there. Uh, I could care less about Ryan Garcia versus the guy nobody ever saw before. <laughs> I'm just trying to think sort of well, like... Well, what day, what day is that fight? What day? The Ryan it's Garcia the Ryan fight? Ryan Garcia versus... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think sort of like off the top of my head. I know it's in April. And it actually might be just right before that time that you had uh it might be april 9th or april 2nd it better not i mean it's not going to be april 16th right because uh kaylee taylor amanda serrano's april 9 april 9 april 9 okay so it's the week before all right okay yeah so obviously you got Uh, i'm not i'm not putting that fight in this equation no no (laughs) if you're a casual fan and you just want to watch the best fight the best you start with the errol spence ugas fight work your way to canelo well, Canelo fights on May seventh. Yeah, I mean, there's still it's a lot of really good boxing uh, coming up in that time. And I mean, hell, that's not to say you know possibly Jermel Charlo versus Brian Castaño too. That might add, that... hold on. Let me and let me back backtrack one more thing. I want to ask you: Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. Is that where's that? Is that a pay per view fight? Where's it going to be? Who's going to distribute that fight? Uh, a lot of people are under the impression this is going to be an ESPN pay-per-view. Yeah, but but is is that a is is that a guarantee? It's not cuz Arab's not promoting the fight. But Tyson is still a top-ranked fighter. 
Yeah, but somebody else is promoting the fight, right? Well, it's well. Remember, you know, Frank Warren co-promotes Tyson. Lopez was a top. Lopez was a top-ranked fighter. Was that fight on ESPN? No, but, no, but the, no, but in that, but in but in the Teofimo Lopez case, only originally Trilla won that won right. that person, and, and, and they and had no affiliation with anybody. Right. Yeah, yeah. But but yep. in this case, yeah, Frank Warren uh, won the purse bid, but you know, Frank and Bob Arum co-promote together. Tyson. Fury. Okay, so it's going to be on ESPN. Then. It'll more, right. yeah, yeah. It'll it'll more than likely. Do you think it'll be an ESPN Plus pay per view? There are a lot of there's a as lot of opposed to being money. a traditional pay per view only. Yeah, look at the money that nobody fights for twenty nine million on regular ESPN. Yeah, it's they, they'll take a bath. It, it's an it, not just that you're, be you're a putting that fight bath, in, but it, and also it's going to be in the middle of all these other pay per views. And you're also doing this in the middle of the afternoon, early evening, which is never a great time. To be... But if you look at it, if you look at it, right, you, uh-huh. you make a great point there, Carlos. April 16th, Spence Ugas, pay-per-view. Uh-huh. May 7th, Canelo, pay-per-view, period. Whoever he fights, pay-per-view. April 23rd, Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. This isn't Deontay Wilder. This isn't Anthony Joshua. This isn't Alexander Usak. This is going to be a financial bath for everybody involved except the fighters. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be interesting how this how the how does you, know, you can't put it on regular ESPN because how is how you gonna? I mean, you got to pay the fighters. You're not making a profit. And I know Bob Arum. Oh, I couldn't make any money with Terrence Crawford. Well, good luck making money on this fight. It's certainly not going to be an easy job. One thing that I want uh, to add on, I honestly cannot remember if you had already mentioned this fight, but during that run in April and May, we got Shakur Stevenson versus Oscar Valdez. I, I said that. Okay, I said yeah, that. Okay. The same night as Amanda Serrano versus Katie I, Taylor. Okay, you're, yeah, you're right. You're right. April you're right. 30th. I you're said right. that, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know why. That's the night where you have two great marquee matchups. I said Katie Taylor Serrano. I agree with you, Carl. It's the biggest fight in female boxing history. Same night as Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson. Right. Um, and that's going to be an ESPN fight. So got a lot of great boxing from April 16th to May 7th. My my only concern is how the hell is the are the promoters, Frank Warren and Bob Arum, <laughs> going to make money on this Tyson Fury dealing white fight? I mean, it'll sell out in London. I agree with that. The gate will be great. But will that be enough to uh, suffice the salaries? I don't know. I don't know. That's, I mean, I, a lot of it also depends on what kind of undercard it's going to be on it. And well, honest, I mean, they, they, it's got to be a, a bunch of novices because you can't pay anybody else. I would imagine that, you know what, they can, I can see a guy like Jared Anderson being on that card. He's already going to be training with Tyson Fury. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's always on the Tyson Fury cards as well. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it could, could be a, a nice step up. Uh, in that case, so we have a lot of boxing to sort of recap, and I guess the most noteworthy fight card from this past weekend—maybe not necessarily the biggest one or the best one, but certainly the one that mo- you know people talked about the most—the grudge match between Amir Khan and Kell Brook that's been a blood feud spew- that's that started over a decade ago, almost. Almost seven, eight years of marinating between these two and getting that fight together. Now both of them way past their prime. Finally meeting the ring and 
it actually being ended up, ended up being a lot more one-sided than almost anyone could have expected or predicted. Kell Brook dominated Amir Khan, drops him in, you know, drops in early in the fight in the very first round, and Kell Brook ultimately went on to stop Amir Khan in the sixth round. I mean, it was a decent, decent, entertaining fight for what it was. It was essentially a huge squash match, which I don't think anyone mm-hmm. could have predicted by then, but. Boy, this is, this was just a sad look uh, for for Amir Khan. This is an instance where you where you think to yourself, how could you possibly move uh, fight after that? Amir Khan is done. I think, in my opinion, he should retire. He should not. No one should section Amir Khan fight. He's a tragedy waiting to happen. He already had a glass jaw. All right. When you factor in his reflexes, a shot. His he legs are defend. gone. His legs are gone. He can't defend himself. He couldn't defend. Kell Brook landed whenever he wanted to. This man should not be allowed in the ring ever again. He's done. He's done. Stick a fork in him. One of the most overrated fighters in the history of boxing is done. It's over. And I was laughing, not at the beating he took because I was surprised like you, but remembering seven, eight, nine years ago, when he was calling out Floyd Mayweather and a lot of so-called media experts were like, oh, he's got the ability to beat Floyd. How? How could have he ever beaten Floyd Mayweather? Answer me that question. He struggled against Chico Madonna, almost lost him, struggled against uh, uh, Lamont Peterson, got put in the hospital by Danny Garcia, got knocked out in the first round by Bradis Prescott. How is that guy going to beat Floyd Mayweather in his prime? I laughed my ass off. I mean, and, he was um, no chance, no chance at all. No ch- it's it's t- Amir Khan's family needs to intervene and tell this man he can no longer fight because he, like Yorkis Gamboa, like Jorge Linares, like Daniel Jacobs, has no business ever again stepping into a boxing ring. Yeah, it's really was just sad. I mean, this was his first fight in three years, and boy, he, I mean, he looked every bit the part of a guy who hasn't fought in three years. It's, but he looked finished against Crawford. He was a zombie against Crawford. Yeah, 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 and and even then, his bounce back fight against Billy Dib was on a su- such a bizarre card in Saudi Arabia that honestly, looking back, just feels like a fever dream. And that was and and that was a fight to put a win on his uh, W on his record because uh, Billy Dib, uh what's the highest year before that before he fought Amir Khan it was a massive massive uh, weighted uh, uh, disadvantage for Billy. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Billy w- was a last second replacement, but still, I mean, he had, really couldn't find yeah. anyone other than you know but they a guy to positionally at featherweight won- super featherweight. They- they wanted to guarantee a W on Khan's record to keep his momentum, which stalled because, like you said, he didn't fight for another three years. <laughs> and ultimately, I think that this should be the nail on the coffin of Amir Khan's career. A guy who held multiple world titles, was a decorated amateur, silver Olymp- silver medalist, uh, silver yep. medalist at the Olympics. And his headlines, countless shows, became a star in the UK, made millions and millions of... Uh, of pounds, you know, it's a career that I think 99% of boxers would kill to have. Yeah, 99% of the regular boxers, but uh, as far as the elite, 
he falls way, way, way short. Well, yeah, only of course, way, but how many? Only way he's going to Hall of Fame is if he buys a block of tickets. Yeah, but but how many boxers? Like, think about the the sheer number of boxers who have fought in the pros and are active in the pros. I don't think people realize just how large that number is. Like, yeah, but when the, you come into when you come into your pro career with all the hype and the accolades as an amateur and an entire country behind you, they expect you to be a Hall of Famer. They expect you to be an all-time great. He did not live up to his potential. No, but it's not like it was a wasted career. He, you know, no, he, he. I mean, like you said, he's a multiple world champion. But every major fight he was in, he shit at the bed. Right. Right. Yeah. On the flip side. It's an interesting question as to whether or not what is next for Kelbrook because I pointed out. Uh, hey, I, I, hey, uh, I agree with you, Carlos. Go ahead, talk, tell, tell the people you what you want to see, and I hope they make this. Now, I had said I would love to see Kelbrook versus Connor Ben, and then a lot, I had a lot of people. Oh, I love it. So to tell me, hey, no. Connor Ben would not would destroy him. I'd rather see him go out on top than just fall on his. There's shield a like. lot of money. There's a lot of money to be made against Connor Ben. That's a ready-made big-time matchup that you could put in Wembley Arena, sell out Wembley Arena, or wherever you want to put it in England. It would be a big fight. I'm it. It, it would be just as big as this con fight because you have yesterday versus today and. It would be a great indicator, like you said, Carlos, of where Connor Ben is right now. Because if he could dominate a Kell Brook, then maybe he is ready for a world title shot. If he struggles against a Kell Brook past his prime, then uh, we have to reevaluate. I love your suggestion. People were knocking it. I don't know why. I think in the sense that they look at Kell Brook and obviously they don't see the guy who was once a world champion. They see a guy who's about to turn 35. I, or I think 36 in a couple of months. And Don't I can understand the sentiment of wanting to see Kel Brook come out on top. And I get that he's a guy in his mid-30s who has two yeah. broken orbital bones. But he's recovered from those or- orbital bones. And and unlike Daniel Jacobs, Jorge Linares, or the guy he just beat up, Amir Khan, he doesn't look like a walking zombie. Even in his fight against Terrence Crawford, he fought his ass off. He just fought a better guy. He fought his ass off. Unlike Amir Khan, who was just trying to survive, was try- well, Amir Khan was dropped 10 seconds into the fight against Terrence Crawford. It took Crawford a minute before he could figure out Brooke. Brooke did well first two rounds before Crawford figured him out and then gave him a beating. No, Kell Brook's not done. I, I, I disagree with the with the guys out there that were criticizing your post. I would love to see him versus Connor Ben. Um now, it would be it would be the toughest fight of Ben's career up until this point. And and, and when I wrote that tweet, I guess and obviously I did not elaborate on this, but I wrote it in the sense of we know Kel Brooks is gonna fight again because how how, how would how do you think he's he how would you think he's going to retire after a performance like that, because he did look great. Yeah, it was against mm-hmm. a, you know, a walking punching bag at Amir Khan, but still, <laughs> he looked great. 
You're not, you can't tell me Kell Brook and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I'm good. I'm not going to fight again. Nah, he, he's going to fight again. And if he's going to fight again, Carlos, it doesn't make sense for him to fight the bum of the month or a guy just to put a W on his record. He needs the big money fights. And there's two out there for him in his own country, uh, two second-generation fighters from two of the most popular British fighters of all time. That's Chris Eubank Jr., who, who who they were calling each other out, and Conor Ben. Either one of those fights is must-see television in Britain, and I'd rather see that because I knew this was going to be a clown shit show against Amir Khan. I said this for months, Carlos, because you know I said this. <laughs> I was like, I don't that, that dude don't belong in the ring. But Brooke versus either Ben Ben or Eubank, that would be huge business in Great Britain. And, then, and you know, I, I, I'd call out sick for work that day to see it because I'd, I'd be interested – and seeing, because I agree with you, Carlos. Both Connor Bennett, Chris Eubank, have Junior, have gotten the, past the point of being a a gimmick of a all time great father. They're both very good fighters in their own right. A win over Kell Brook would, oh man, would even boast would bolster their stature even more. And especially with Connor Ben and mm-hmm. and I think and I think with Kell Brook. I would feel differently if he looked real bad and he mm-hmm. and he looked, you know, just completely out of it. Even in a, and he, even if he did beat Amir Khan, but he didn't. He looked great. I'm not saying but, that hey, he's going to go hey, on Carlos, this Nonito Donaire esque run after all these losses, but this is the best, and I genuinely mean this. This is the best Kelbrook has looked since he was a world champion eight years ago. I think he looks better. Than he did in those three fights that he had between the losses to Errol Spence and Terence Crawford. I really do think that. Would you agree with me that in his fight against Terence Crawford, he did not look bad. He just fought a better fighter. He, he came in in tremendous shape. and yep. But, you know, but here's the thing. You you know, Khan was going back down to 147, which he hadn't fought since the Errol Spence fight. And, you know... Obviously, his speed and his reflexes are not up to par against a guy like Terrence Crawford. And, you know, right. it was kind of plain to see. I, I personally thought that Kell Brook was going to be able to hold off a little bit better than what we ultimately got. Because, you know, Kell Brook came in such tremendous shape. And, he, and even in this fight, he looked – he was hey, in phenomenal shape. I, I, he's in the best shape of his career. I'm, I don't know what's in his head. Physically, as far as, you know, the damage done by the eye sockets and the amount of punishment he's taken over the years. But his physique and the way he looks, he's never looked better. So I do think that, you know, Kell Brook is going to fight again. And I guess from my standpoint, I mean, I would love to see what Kell Brook can do with this newfound confidence and this newfound momentum. And he would give Conor Ben a lot of trouble. He really would. In my it would be it would be Ben's toughest fight of his career, and I would love to see it. Um, because to, to 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 think about, I mean, as good as Ben's looked the last year, he's still not ready for a world champ. Those world champions at one forty, he's not ready for Spence, Ugas, or Crawford. He's still got a ways to go to get there. Kell Brook would be a nice measuring stick. I would love to see it. The other kind of big fight, and there was a lot of boxing, but we'd be here forever if this, if the, if we were to dissect every single boxing card that took place. But the other big card was on the zone. It was the 
Uh, Jaime Munguia versus Demetrius Ballard fight. Oh, and... You talk about you talk about squash matches. <laughs> uh, the this fight got a lot of intrigue at the very last second because Munguia did not look good in the weigh-ins. It looked uh, didn't look quite right. Seemed just a tad bit out of it. If you look hard enough, there was a video circling around social media where he wasn't looking great and he even had to lie down on the floor. After after being on the on the scales, a lot of people were a bit worried that maybe go, cutting to 160 might be too much for him at at this point. But Mungia just completely dominated Demetrius Ballard, just completely battered him left to right, and I was completely wrong on how this fight was going to turn out because I thought this had the potential to be a real drag out fight and Mungia just ends it quickly and I think it was three rounds. Yeah, he knocked he knocked him out in the third round. It was a one sided mismatch. Ballot was a deer in the headlights. He had no business being in the ring against Mungia. We keep talking about this. His run at one sixty has been less than unspectacular. He's fought stiff after stiff after stiff. And how is this guy a mandatory contender? For any championship, when he's beaten no, no, nobody of note at 160 pounds. Oh, my God. I just don't understand it. Now, he's going to get his chance to sort of prove himself a little bit better because the WBO has now ordered a fight between Jaime Munguia and Johnny Beck Alim Hanala for the interim middleweight title as Demetrius Andre. I don't know why they call it an interim. Demetrius is never coming back down to 160 pounds. Yeah. Will you just strip him and make this guy... Oh, my God. He's... Carlos, he's never coming back down to 160. Why are they wasting their time? I mean, well, well, okay, well, think about it this way. What is... No, 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 talk about Carlos. Uh-huh. How many times... You've been a boxing fan now uh-huh. for several years, for almost 20 years. How many times has a guy has gone up to 160 and has gone back down to 160? It's not happening. You're right. You're right. But I'm asking. Especially where he's he's that he's going up to 168, hoping he get the big the big fights. Because there's nothing for him at 160 because Triple G refuses to fight him. And um, Mugir was ducking him until he left. Now, yeah, I'm fighting for the WBO title. Nah, he's never coming back down. It doesn't make sense to me. But But let me ask you that. Is it a hundred percent certain that he's not going back to 160 if he goes on to fight Zach Parker and loses? It, it, he's already up at 168. It'd be killer to come down. He's not losing to Zach Parker. I'm just I mean, saying. Just he, I'm no. saying. What if? I'm saying. What if? He's not, he's gonna win that one. He's gonna win that whatever they call that shit against Zach Parker, and then he's gonna wait in line forever in a day. To try and fight Canelo Alvarez, hopefully he can get a fight with one of the Charlo brothers or Morel or Benavidez because he's never getting he's never getting um Canelo. Yeah, I, I, I it is very frustrating to watch. Oh, I want to ask fight. you. Oh, I want. Oh, before we go on, I want to ask you a question. Uh-huh. Uh We talked about you know the inconsistencies of Bob Arum promoting African American fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, some light needs to be shed on. Shed, not shit. I didn't mean to say shit. Shed it on Eddie Hearn because he's got two of the most talented fighters on the planet in Andrade and Devin Haney, and he can't get these guys any big fights. Why? Uh, What's going on there? He's with a network that got plenty of fighters in that area. And, I mean, uh, 
they didn't want to put him versus Cambosos on the zone, so they wound up losing that fight to another network and another promoter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of it also comes. And I like Eddie Hearn. I'm not. I'm, I've called Bob Arum a racist in the past. I would never make that distinction with Eddie Hearn. I think Eddie Hearn is a fighter's promoter. You know, Carlos, the old saying, he's a, a player's coach. I've always said Eddie Hearn's a fighter's promoter. He does his best for his fighters. And Carlos knows Eddie personally. I don't. So Eddie, Carlos can talk more about Eddie and how his fighters love him. I mean, he's a very media-friendly promoter. Yeah. Maybe about as media-friendly a, a big-time promoter is right now in the sport. And he's I, very and, charismatic. And he's very likable. But he is. He, he is. has and dropped I, the ball on Devin Haney and Demetrius Andrade. And it's not going to get any better for those two guys because for some reason, no, nobody wants to fight these guys. And I think part of it, maybe not necessarily the whole picture, part of it falls back on... The issue that Eddie Hearn just doesn't quite understand the boxing market in America. He just does not. He, I, I, well, okay. Eddie Hearn came to the United States with the zone to basically take over the sport of boxing in the United States. On that front, I think we can, I think it's safe to assume so far it's been a failure. It's been a huge failure. Now, I mean, he's, it's not like he's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal in Europe. Let's not take yes, that away. Yes, and I, as far as women's boxing goes in America, he has set a standard that's not been matched. But when it comes to and, and not just that, boxing, the, also the giving yeah, yeah. giving the spotlight to the lighter weights more often than right. Right, right, no. right. I can't say everything he's done has been a failure because there are no, some no, things he's done great. No, no, we just brought up the women and he and 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 uh, the lighter weights, without a doubt. But as far as his plan on taking over uh, the American um, <laughs> American boxing, uh, that's been that that's that's firmly entrenched in the PBC camp. Period. And here's the thing. You know, I remember when the zone was unveiled in the United States, and Eddie Hearn thought, you know, with all this money that the zone is going to be investing, that Eddie Hearn could go just go out and sign the Charlo brothers, Wilder, Mikey Garcia before the loss to Errol Spence Jr. See, people, people do not understand the loyalty that the Charlo brothers, that Deontay Wilder, that all these African American fighters have to Al Heyman. Al Heyman pays his fight as well. He pays that stiff Adrian Broder well. All right? And because Eddie was trying to get Adrian Broder, and Adrian Broder laughed at him. No. Al Heyman pays his fight as well. His fight, the only guy that left was Danny Jacobs. <laughs> and, I think part, and I think another thing that I just thought of, I think part of some of Eddie's shortcomings is that Let's be honest. He he's a little arrogant. He is a little yes. arrogant. Yes. And, yes and sometimes, you know, some fighters, you know, it rubs off the wrong way. Uh, a promoter like Eddie Hearn it does, you know, it, it works for a lot of fighters. And again, he's very charismatic, and you know, he certainly has, you know, done a great job with so many fighters over the in the past. But when it comes to promises and these boisterous claims about yeah. how he's going to take over, I. He has not batted a thousand. He has not. Even when he had Canelo Alvarez, the third fight with Gennady Golovkin could not be made. Even when, even after Eddie Hearn brought on Golovkin, 
uh, to be, you know, after Eddie Hearn started to sort of be a part of Golovkin's team or, or yep. whatever you want to yep. call it, still couldn't mm-hmm. get that done. Yep. And um, uh, one last thing before we move on with with, with uh, Eddie Hearn. With uh, Eddie Hearn. Oh, man, did I lose my thought? Eddie Hearn. Bah, 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 bah. Oh, one last thing. I want to give him credit before we move on. When Tor- when Terrence Crawford left top rank, before the lawsuit, when he when he cut ties after the Sean Porter fight, people asked Eddie Hearn, would you love to have Terrence Crawford? And Eddie Hearn was very honest. He said, man, hell of a talent, great fighter. I would love to have him, but I got nothing for him. He was honest, Terry. Let me say that. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> aside from aside from Connor Ben, who's still not ready for Terrence Crawford, there's really nothing right. that Eddie Hearn has. Right. Even at 154, right. the names that he has, they're all British level type of fighters. They're, you know, he barely has any yeah. guys at the European level. PBC still, you know, has almost That's everyone right. and, at 147 and, and, and 154. And, and he was honest. He said he would be more suited, better suited to fight PBC because he's got nothing to offer him. I, I I really liked what he said when he said that because 99 times out of 100, a promoter would be, oh, yeah, it would offer Terrence Crawford the moon just to have him in his camp. And I, I think he understood that he made those mistakes with Andrade and Haney and why continue to make them with Terrence yeah. Crawford. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and Eddie Hearn, you know, he's on camera so many times, you know, he's bound to put his foot in his mouth and he's done that quite a few times and it's kind of bit him in the ass uh, a couple of times. So that also is, could be another reason. Uh, I'm just hoping within the next, uh, I don't it's not going to happen. Devin Haney and Demetrius Andrade for the talent that they have, they have hall of fame ability. Both these fighters deserve a big fight and he can't get it for them. It's it's frustrating as a boxing fan. I'm sure it's frustrating for you too to to watch these guys with these with this incredible ability not get the fights that they should be getting. Yeah, yeah, it is a it is a just a tad bit uh, frustrating. One thing uh, now going back to sort of the weekend recap recap there is another fight card uh from this past or at least a couple that i want to very briefly touch upon uh last saturday morning we had jorge linares back in the ring and uh you know i never thought i would i would say this about jorge linares heading into this week but man it needs to be said jorge linares i think you really need to start considering retiring because had a fight against Zaur right. Abdullayev, who was never known as a terrific puncher, and Zaur Abdullayev. And what was a really good fight, by the way? It was a very fun fight until ESPN Plus on the English feed crapped on the final round and did not air the last round of the fight, which is the round. The best that- round of the fight! The best round of the fight! Abdullah <laughs> dropped Linares twice in the 12th round and ultimately stopped him. A come from behind win. Yeah, it was. Because a, he was losing. He was losing on two of the three scorecards convincingly going into the 12th round. I, what was it, Carlos? Four I, points and three points down going into the 12th round? I, I do not remember. Off the top of my head, I do not remember. I don't even remember if I did, if I had actually seen the cards. Yeah. Because I know they reported that he was up seven rounds to four on one card, and oh, maybe might someone might have been seven three one on the other card, and you know three or four points at a ten point must system, and 
um, Abdulayev was winning on the other card. So it was a come from behind KO victory. I agree with you, Carlos. Jorge, just like Amir Khan, just like Daniel Jacobs. Last two weeks, we've seen three fighters long in the tooth. None of these guys deserve to be in the ring again. These guys need to be kept away from the ring. Uh, somebody needs to uh, send Jorge back to Japan and take away his passport. Right? Take away his passport. He shouldn't be allowed ever to travel outside of Japan ever again. Maybe to maybe to Venezuela to see his children or whatever, but he got to go. He can, he's not allowed. He should not be allowed to fight again. Uh, he fought a guy that doesn't have great power, and the guy almost murdered him in the twelfth round. The other fight card that I want to briefly mention is the Showbox card that took place on Friday. Originally supposed to be a triple header, but ultimately turned to be a double header after one of the fights fell through at the last second because of an injury. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to Jermaine Ortiz. He looked phenomenal. He looked phenomenal. Even though Albright looked like he was just trying the first half of the fight to uh, last a distance, but I give Albright credit. Second half of the fight, he stepped it up, but it was too little too late. Carlos Ortiz looked very impressive. Very much so. He beats Nair Albright in the main event by unanimous decision. 98-92, 97-93, 97-93. Very good step-up fight for Jermaine Ortiz. And really kind of just washes off the stink of that draw against Joseph Adorno last year. They need to make that fight again. They need, he needs to, to, to completely, completely get that smell off of him by fighting Adorno in a rematch. And you want to talk about smells? My goodness, did it stink that yeah, uh, he, the decision he, he, of the of the first horrific. fight? Yeah. Oh my god! Card. Talk about that. Paul Crow versus Marquise Taylor ends oh, in a split draw. Follow along here: eighty seventy two for Taylor, seventy seven seventy five <sighs> for Crow, and seventy six seventy six in a fight that. Crawl won at max maybe two rounds. This was a find, horrible scorecard. How did you find how did two judges find four rounds and five rounds apiece for him? He was totally dominated, but Taylor got fleeced. He did. He did. This is just a bad scorecard. Taylor just outboxed Crawl throughout the fight. Crawl at times was just a little bit busier, but he was not landing anything significant. Nope. Taylor was just the better fighter all around for eight rounds. And uh, I think off the top of my head, I think I had a 78-74 for Taylor. I had a 78-74 for Taylor also. And, you know, to go and go five rounds for Kroll and four rounds for Kroll is – it's a travesty. I mean, it's – I don't know what maybe it's a side syndrome where the a side gets the benefit in what they think is our our, our close rounds because Paul Crow really was the a side who was the unbeaten yeah, fighter heading right, in right 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 with the, who came off you know the win against Lucas Santa Maria a couple of years back but man Marquis Taylor definitely earned so they could they could do a showbox card with two rematches Adorno versus Ortiz and uh, this travesty of a of a draw. I would love to see that. Yeah. That's a great doubleheader. That is a great and, and it could easily be made because Showbox does does it. Uh, it was King's promotion, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think yeah, yeah. So 
Actually, now that I think about it, um, it's funny you mention because Adorno is actually fighting this weekend in Florida. So look, they everybody fought at the same time. Uh, <laughs> bring it back three, four months from now. <laughs> now let's see if if Adorno can snap that two fight draw streak, which is it's it's weird to sort of say. It's very rare in high profile prospects to be on a two fight, not even win streak, draw, not loss streak, draw, but a draw, draw streak. streak. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that being the uh that was your showbox card. Uh before we get into the I guess sort of quick rundown for the weekend fights. There's not a whole ton of news, but you know, there's still there were still uh some interesting tidbits. We already mentioned about Jaime Mungia and um Janibek Alimhanilov for the interim title at middleweight for the WBO. That's the possibility there. We have a lot of different um a lot of different fights coming up. Uh before we kind of get into that, Robert, is there another a uh No, we go go straight to 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 uh reviewing this weekend's fights. Actually, I do want to mention um your immediate thoughts, because this has really perplexed me, you Pro Bellum and Lou Debella have announced have announced a strategic partnership. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that the other day, right? I do not know how to feel about this. If you know a lot about the, the ongoings between Daniel Kinahan and MTK Global and the dots surrounding Probellum and its creation, how it operates, yeah, I guess you can try and connect the two dots together. It's very weird, a little jarring, a little... Uh, not and I not not in a good way. Seeing Lou DeBella working with Probellum. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you because Lou DeBella always always seemed to be a guy that was clean. His records clean, uh, no controversy. He left HBO because of of a, a disagreement with them uh, about uh, 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 the future of of how they covered the sport. Had nothing to do with him. He was a great matchmaker when he was in charge of HBO. Um and, and even it, it does, here's the thing, I believe he was on it, that BBC documentary on Kinahan that monitoring and talking about the, the corruption in Boston. And now he's doing business with him. I don't understand it. Well I officially Pro Bell um and Kinahan are not related, but Yeah, right. <laughs> Just like uh Don King as the promoter and his son Carl King, who managed his fighters, uh, there was no conflict of interest there, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Ali act. <laughs> but yeah, but hey, Pro Bellum and Lou DeBella, I think it's kind of starting to be a little more obvious that Pro Bellum's trying to make a bigger move into the United States with. You know, Lou DeBella, two notable fighters that DeBella has are uh, Charles Conwell, who is the, um, you know, who is the, one of the top prospects slash contenders at 154 pounds. Who, it's it's him and Tim Zhu at 154 as 
the, the top prospects slash contenders for a title. And he also has a, you know, he's got a couple of, uh, he has an Olympic gold medalist in uh, Bakudir Jalilov. And man, that's a, there's a lot. I mean, this, this could be, and by the way, Probellum has been making a ton of moves, signing fighters left and right a lot. And they, they just they just signed Archie Sharp, right? They sh- yep, they signed Archie Sharp earlier today. They've signed a lot of fighters. They've signed a ton uh, of fighters. Uh, I can. They've probably made announcements on uh, signing maybe like twenty fighters or so in the past, like ten days. Or they signed O'Hara Davis as well. Do you think that they will uh, continue to air fights on Access TV in America? If, since they're looking to try to get into America. I, they might try and see if they can get a card again. I don't know if the, they're going to try to do something with the upcoming uh, two shows in Dubai that they got in March 18, March 19. Or maybe yeah, they'll do that's something. What I, I mean, where are they going to? I mean, he wants to try to get into the American market. There's also I, the uh, you know yeah. there's also the upcoming John Real Casimiro Paul Butler fight in April, but I don't know what's going to be the status of that given the that, that uh, severe allegations under- against Casimiro right now. Yeah, yeah, man, Casimiro's in trouble. <laughs> yes, uh, sexual assault uh, allegations yep. against uh, Casimiro stem uh, stemming from an incident months and months back. So, not going to get too much into that. So I don't know what's going to be the status of that fight right. with Paul Butler. Right. I will say. If it if something happens that will cause this fight to not happen, He's if we are stripped. to believe what the WBO had previously yeah. said, Casimiro will be stripped of the title. He will get stripped, and Butler will probably fight somebody else, right, for the for the vacant title. Yeah, you know, some somebody that will actually step into the ring and not be an announcement and then fall at the last second again. Oh, oh, the seventy uh, five year old Joseph Apeco. <laughs> yes. Pretty, pretty much. I also want to give a shout out to Thompson Boxing, who had a really good show and a really fun show uh, last Friday with Ruben Torres and the main event. Looking, yes, you were talking about it on Twitter. Yes, the very good show. You can you can go watch it on Thompson Boxing YouTube channel. It was a it was a nice card. It was a very fun card. uh, I I will. I'm trying to remember who was the biggest fighter Thompson boxing ever had was it uh th- this this lighter of uh, weight fighter did they have a fighter my mom my mind is, is is closely creeping on dementia did they have a fighter called sergio thompson that was like a knockout artist lighter weights mexican fighter you uh, remember that name because i used to i was like wow thompson promotion and sergio thompson i, I just think but thompson promotions have promoted a bunch of fights throughout Mexico and um, the West Coast the last 10 years. And, and and I always like to to see them with their cards. And I'm going to go check that out because you, you talked about that Ruben Torres fight. You you loved it. Yeah, Dan, uh, yeah Ruben Torres looked phenomenal in, in that fight. Um, I mean, Dan Roman fought, has, uh, fought for plenty of Thompson boxing shows in the past. Yeah, that's the question I want to ask you. What's, what's the situation with uh, Stephen Fulton and Danny Ramon? Yeah, they're 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 talking. They're they're there's a lot. You know, 
it's being discussed, and the plan is to hopefully get that done uh, somewhat soonish. All right, I good. think that would make for a really good fight, and you know, Dan Roman I think has it long would... has waited too long to get his title shot. I think this would be a tougher fight for Fulton than Figueroa was. Danny Ramon and Carlos and he, uh, attested this. He's a tough son of a bitch. He's not an easy out. And every time he's been considered a, a major underdog, he has shined. I mean, I would go with Fulton to win the fight, but Roman will give him hell. Yeah, it's about as close to a 50-50 fight in the 122-pound division as there is in boxing in that and division I think right it, now. And I think it's the best fight to make at 122. I agree. And and um, I'm glad because I had heard rumors a few weeks ago that they were talking about an immediate rematch with Figueroa. I'm glad that you're reporting that. No, that it looks like it's going to be Fulton Roman and that the negotiations are going. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how yeah. deep the negotiations are going, but, you know, I, I will say it probably it, I would venture is say it's not at zero. But OK, good. Good but, to hear. You know, obviously the. Brandon Figueroa fight. I suppose the rematch is always. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think at this point it's not. I think Figueroa is gonna see his options at 126. So, okay. This weekend we have a few boxing shows to kind of quickly run down to. February 26, Josh Taylor versus Jack Catterall for the undisputed junior welterweight title. This fight was supposed to take place a couple of months ago. Taylor got hurt during. Uh, training, and so it got pushed back until February 26th. Fight's gonna air in the United States on ESPN Plus at 2 p.m. Eastern. Rebeza Ramirez versus Eric Donovan and uh, Patty Donovan also on the undercard. This is an interesting fight. You know, it's a nice first time of the fence for Josh Taylor after the win against Jose Ramirez. I like Jack Catterall, and I actually do think he's actually a a stronger puncher than what his KO ratio may indicate, but I'm picking Josh Taylor to win this fight. I think that, you know, whatever Catterall brings to the table, Taylor has beaten a fighter who is just as good, if not better, at whatever Catterall does best, whether it be Ivan Branchek or Regis Prograce or yeah. Jose Ramirez. I think it's going to be a Josh Taylor win. I can't I can't disagree with you at all. Uh Taylor, I see Taylor in a very lopsided unanimous decision victory. Um I wish Taylor would stop entertaining thoughts of welterweight. He's not that good. I keep telling you. Well, keep telling you he has his not his mindset on, on going he, to welterweight. He he will get blasted. I mean, he should stay at one forty and continue to give progress to rematches. A lot of there's a lot of guys he could fight at 140. He will get murdered against the Errol Spences, Boots Ennis, Terrence Crawfords, uh, Yodanis Ugas's, Virgil Ortiz's of the world. He's not that big of a puncher, and he's not that great of a stylist where he can make these guys miss for 12 rounds. It's not happening. Um, but you know what? He's gonna he's gonna do what you said, Carlos. He's gonna move up to 147, and it's gonna ruin his career because. Uh, it's a, it's funny, Carlos. How, even though it's only a seven pound difference, how uh, the the level of 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 power and skill is so overwhelming at welterweight over junior welterweight right now. 
Also, this weekend, we have the a Showtime card from Las Vegas. Chris Colbert versus Hector Luis Garcia starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. Colbert was supposed to challenge Roger Gutierrez for the WBA Super Featherweight title. Gutierrez went down with COVID, so in comes the undefeated Garcia. Undercard still remains intact. Jerwin Ancajas versus Fernando Daniel Martinez for the IBF Super Flyweight title. And Gary Antoine Russell versus Victor Postol. And a very, very good fight at 140 pounds. Overall, the TV undercard and the TV card is still pretty good. But you have to, I mean, you can't help but feel a little disappointed that Colbert is not getting his fight against Gutierrez. Of course, no yeah. one's fault. You know, it, sometimes it happens, especially nowadays because of COVID. But uh, I, I expect Chris Colbert, even against a, yeah. a late replacement opponent to shine as he always has been uh you know on this incredible run that he has been i know colbert and shakur know each other and are on friendly uh terms um i would love to see them two fight eventually in some type of unification fight uh it would have been perfect had colbert beat gutierrez because i expect shakur to become the wbo and wbc champion monday uh sunday morning may 1st when we wake up that, that's a beautiful matchup. The IBF champion against the WBCO, WBO champion. But you got to put that on hold because Gutierrez got WBA set. champion. I mean, yeah, WBA versus WBC, WBO. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I, I agree. But overall. Uh, that the- would be a great fight because you got two stylistic fighters who have to find a way to uh, out finesse the other guy and it'd be a chess match i love seeing those type of fights it really we gotta would. wait we gotta wait though because uh you know when do you think colbert and gutierrez will fight i i mean assuming colbert uh, colbert wins uh he's gonna and... win. the only way he is unless you know he's not losing to garcia if he does then he needs to seriously <laughs> He needs to seriously look at his at his career. The, the the skill, the the skill level is not even on the same universe. But go ahead. I'm, let's assume for shits and giggles, Colbert wins. Yeah. Gutierrez when when that fight happens. I mean, I I don't know. I guess a lot of it you know depends on how you know what what's going to happen in regards to. Because remember, this fight was actually ordered by the right. WBA. This fight was ordered, so I don't know. Who, how much? How quickly the WBA will enforce? A lot of it also depends on, you know, just how good Gutierrez is going to feel after COVID. Is Gutierrez still promoted by Oscar by Golden Boy? Yes. What if Arab makes a back deal and let's assume Shakur wins in two and a half in two months? Now it's almost the end of February, and makes a backdoor deal with uh, Oscar. Saying, all right, forget Chris Colbert. Uh, here's this amount of money. Let's put Gutierrez in the ring with Shakur for three of the title. I mean, I would love to see that too. Uh, so, I, it, so we'll we'll, we'll see. The uh, Oscar and Bob have a long-standing relationship, and my understanding is, is it's the best it's been in years. So maybe some shenanigans could happen. <laughs> and you know, WBA will be like, oh, it's a unification fight. So uh, Colbert, you could uh. Oh, sit back while we let these guys fight it out. I um, mean, I, again, that a yeah. lot of it also it really does depend uh, on a lot of things. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah. Now, last card that I do want to briefly touch upon. This is a rare Sunday card. A rare Sunday, big, relatively it, big card. Not massive, this, but big card this on fight, the zone. 
This fight's being held in England? Yes, in okay. London at the O2 Arena. Lawrence Nicole Wait a versus minute. Michael Lawrence Cecil. is fighting at the O2 Arena? Yeah. How are ticket sales going? Because only the big, the biggest of the big fight or play at the O2 Arena. This is where Prince played. This is where Sade's played. Uh, uh, Sting, and I'm talking about the the original Sting from the Police, not the not the 79 year old wrestler that's still wrestling. No, uh, man, he's not. Lawrence is at the O2. He's come a long way. Go ahead, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it'll, this is actually his first fight at the O2 since 2019 when he beat Eves in, uh, in Gabu for the European Cruiserweight title. That was on the undercard yeah, of the Josh Taylor Regis Prograde fight. Yeah, yeah, which was one of the best fights of two, two, 2019. So yeah, uh, love Lawrence. Uh, I wish he'd get a big fight, but right now nobody wants to fight him. But he's got a very tough opponent, Michael Sislak. Sislak is a very, very good, very, very hard-hitting fighter. His only loss was a very close decision loss to Lunga Makabu back in 2020. And he's looked spectacular since then. Two wins, two knockouts. Last one, a just complete decimation over Yuri Kaczynski in under two minutes in... Poland, if I remember correctly, and mm-hmm. this will definitely be a uh, Okoli's toughest test yes. uh, in of his yeah. career, I would say. Yes, I agree. I and agree definitely, it'll be a potential. It'll be a good fight, in in my opinion. Undercard. Yeah, I got a, I got a Coley by late late stoppage. Undercard looks like this: Kareem Garfi versus Jordan Gill for the European featherweight title. Anthony Fowler in his first fight since the loss to Liam Smith back in October against Lucas Masiak. Fabio Wardley, Galal Yafai in his first pro fight going 10 rounds for a regional WBC title against Carlos Vado Bautista. Very, very rare for a fighter making his pro debut being a scheduled 10 rounders for a regional title. Uh, last time this has happened, I think it was Vasily Lomachenko in his pro debut, at least as far as for the men. He- he fought for, I think, was it the WBO international title or some shit like that in his pro debut, uh, Lomachenko? I believe so. I, I think it was for the, it was for the, it was for the pop, 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 uh, featherweight, either, either WBO or WBC. Yeah, it was international. WBO international featherweight yeah. title. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that was his very first pro fight. Then the second fight, he lost to Salido for the world title. Yeah, and Yafai. Hard to not buy into the hype after his incredible performance in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics where he won the gold medal at flyweight. Obviously, they're going to fast track him into, you know, they're not going to put him on, you know, on cruise control for 12, 15 fights. They're putting him right there in 10 round fights. I'm not, I don't think they're going to put him in a world title fight if he wins this one, but... It's going to be a quicker transition to the top of the division than most prospects that we are accustomed to seeing. Yeah, I mean, recently we saw, of course, Lomachenko. David Morrell was fighting 12 rounders, what, in his third pro fight, right? <laughs> yeah, he was close. Yeah, he, I would say maybe as far as men's boxing uh, is concerned, maybe probably the yeah. closest. Yeah. Uh, 
to Lomachenko that we have gotten as far as yeah. fast starts. Six I rounders mean, in the first two fights, then the Lennox yeah. Allen fight yeah. on mm-hmm. Fox. Uh, that was 12 uh, rounds. Yeah, it's third, third. It's third, pra- third, which really surprised me. Morel's a special talent, so I, I understand that. And also, I think what all three fighters had have in common, Carlos, is they had incredible amateur careers. And mm, that's why their people, their management, have the confidence that they could uh, easily, easily uh, convert that 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 uh, greatness to the pro level. It worked in Lomachenko's uh, uh, behalf. Um, Morel's still a work in progress, even though you see the talent there. We'll see with Yafai. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's you know very possible that this ends up being a potential disaster. I mean, let's remember. Um, Robesi Ramirez is a double Olympic gold medalist, and he lost in his pro debut, and that was a four-rounder where yep. he got dropped in the first round. So there have been, you know, instances where yep. a highly touted prospect who won Olympic what, gold medalist started off well and started name, off not so well. What was the name of the Chinese amateur star that, I mean, Aaron went Google Gaga over and had all those fights out there in Beijing and Hong Kong? What's the name of that guy? Zheng Zhai, how, how you say his name? You know what I'm talking about. Um, boy, I. If you can just give me a second, I can. Is it Zheng Zhai? I, it's hard to spell. Hard to say. I rem- I'm trying to remember. I remember at the very least the that he had fought uh, Zushi Ming. There you go, Zushi Ming, who uh wound up becoming a disappointment. They thought Arab thought he could set up a whole Chinese market. On this guy, it blew up in his face. <laughs> yeah, he, he he won a won a world title at flyweight in I believe his ninth fight right. and or, or his tenth fight, and then in his first title fight title defense, goes on to lose to Shokimura in China. Which I don't ask me don't ask me why uh, how, but I remember watched that fight and I was that was a really good fight. That was a tremendous fight. I don't know if it's even available. I don't even know how I managed to watch it, but that ended up being the the prelude to what ended up being an all-time great flyweight fight between Shokimura and Kosei Tanaka in 2018. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, ultimately, I think it was I think Zushi means retirement came somewhat abruptly, but because I think it was injuries to his eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but when, uh with his style, it was he wasn't going to have a long career, um, but he was a huge he was a huge attraction to China, though. <laughs> All right, do we have anything else that you'd like to discuss, oh, Robert? You covered everything, big man. All right, Robert, where can the good people find you on Twitter and read your work? Um, Twitter, Twitter, Robert Silver five seven six eight, uh, FightGameMedia dot com, the parent website to this. Uh, podcast feed, Fight Game Media. Uh, I've I've been getting nothing but praise for my number twenty first greatest fighter last forty five years, Felix Tito Trinidad article. I mean, people are just hitting me, DMing me, uh, tagging me in posts. Oh man, this is beautiful. This guy was my greatest fight. Look, Tito Trinidad was a special fighter. Go read my article. It's the most comprehensive article I've ever written on any fighter in the five plus, six plus, seven plus years I've been writing for Fight Game Media. 
You can also find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro Media. And that'll do it for this edition of the Pound for Pound podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week. And we'll see you in the next one here in the Pound for Pound podcast on the Fight Game Media Network. We'll see you next week to discuss the fights and hope you guys have a good week. Have a great one, everyone.